Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network. Just remember, so all during the campaign, uh, here's Donald Trump, right? Quote, quote, you're going to end up with great health care for a fraction of the price. And that's going to take place immediately after we go in. Okay? Immediately. Fast. Quick. That was Donald Trump during the campaign. And then, what was it, about 10 days ago, he said, oh, Nobody knew healthcare was so complicated. <laughs> Duh. Oh, yes, we did. Everybody knew it, but you, doofus, right? Everybody <laughs> knew. It took the it took the Democrats in the House and President Obama like two years to cobble together Obamacare, get all the groups behind it, get all the analysis of it from the Congressional Budget Office, refine it, shape it, get it into 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 plan where it it really went sailed through the Congress and the president signed oh. it. I was there in the East Room when he signed it. Nothing like that on this plan. They introduced their their substitute plan, what, two days ago? And then last night, they shoved it, forced it, crammed it through the House Ways and Means Committee. Uh, they got one more committee they hope to get a vote on this week. And then they, and they plan to bring it before the full House next week, even before the Congressional Budget Office has had a chance to review it and to tell us all what the plan would cost, how many people would be covered, uh, how much it would add to the deficit, or all those questions that we should have answers to and they should have answers to uh, be- before they vote on it. No, so you, it, you, it's a disaster from beginning to end. You can't overstate that because it history is being rewritten as to how the Democrats got the Affordable Care Act done. They're making it out to be like, oh, well, they rushed this through, too. Yeah. And, and like, no, no. look, no. Yeah. we've talked about this some this week. You know, the way that Nancy Pelosi framed the, well, we've got to pass it before we can read what, what's in it, yeah. was, a, was a flubbed line for sure. But it, it was a long debate. The yeah. CBO played a big factor. You had all these doctors that came out. There was a long <laughs> debate over the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, and how it was going to be implemented, who was behind it, how it's going to work. I mean, we talked it to death. And And this bill has gone from idea to getting through ways and means in 48 hours? Yeah, yeah, right. And remember, at the time, uh, just building on your point, Peter, at the time, Republicans were chanting in the House, read the bill, read the bill, right? Well, now. That was then. This is now. They don't have to read their bill. But it's it, it, as we get into and I want to talk a little bit about now what's in, what's out, what's good, what's bad. But first, it's really worth reminding ourselves that this whole discussion is based on a big lie. The whole debate is based on the lie that Obamacare is not working, that it's in a death spiral, that it is falling apart. You hear Donald Trump say this all the time. He just asserts it. 
Paul Ryan asserts it. It is simply not true. And we've talked about this before. And again, I think I got cred on this issue because I'm not a big fan of Obamacare. Half of my book, Buyer's Remorse, is why critical of Obama for not doing what Bernie Sanders said, Medicare for all, single payer, and instead coming up with this patchwork plan called Obamacare, which leaves the insurance companies and the drug companies in charge. But as imperfect as it is, it is working. It's, there are some 13 million people who have signed up under for the state exchanges or the federal exchange. And there's another 10, 11 million people, I believe it is, 10 or 11, who have expanded coverage now under Medicaid, who never had that before. So that's about 22, 23 million Americans who have health care who have never had it before and never been able to afford it before for themselves or their families. And preventive care is now covered. And insurance companies can't put a cap on how much money they're going to pay you over your lifetime over any serious illness. And we know young people can stay on their parents' health care plan. Uh, all of those good things about Obama, Obamacare is working. It is growing every year. Um, and I think it's some, something like, what, 80% of the people who buy through the state exchanges get some kind of subsidy. I mean, this is working for the people who need it, not the wealthy people who could always buy health insurance anyway, or the 75% of Americans who get health insurance with their job. For all these other Americans, Obamacare is working. It is a good plan. Yes, it can be improved. Yes, it should be improved. We know how we can improve it. But to trash it and to, or to claim that it's in a death spiral, to claim that it's not doing anything it was supposed to do, to claim that it's not working is simply not correct. All right. So, again, let's look at this this plan. I thought Jen Schakowsky, well, first of all, here, so, so Paul Ryan says, Here's why, here's why we're going to do this. Okay, here's, here's Paul Ryan yesterday. I think every Republican in Congress, including the President of the United States, made a promise to the American people. And the promise we made to the American people is we're going to repeal and replace Obamacare. Because we made that promise, I am confident we're going to make good on that promise. Isn't that silly? Yeah, it oh, is. The reason we're going to do this is because we said we're going to, because we promised we're going to do it. Not, the reason we're going to do this is because there's a critical there's a crisis facing the American people. Or the reason we want to do this is because we want every single American to have health care as a, as a birthright. Because you're an American, yes, you get health care. No. Or the reason we want, no, 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 no. We're going to do this because we promise we're going to do it. That's all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, just empty-headed Paul Ryan. Uh, Democrats yesterday did have a chance to speak out against it, even though uh, the Ways and Means Committee, that was a, a, the fix was in. It was a total party line vote. Uh, here is uh, Mike Doyle from Pennsylvania. For seven years, you promised the American people you're going to repeal and replace Obamacare. And this is what you've come up with. This is a bad joke. Indeed, bad joke. Our good friend Jan Schakowsky from Illinois. As uh, President Trump often says, bad, sad. Even if we could all agree that we need to make health care more affordable and accessible, this bill does the opposite. You pay more and you get less. That's it. Sums it up. Pay more, get less. That's a good bumper sticker. That's exactly what the Republicans are giving. By the way, I, I think this thing down the road here is going to turn around and bite them in the ass. Uh, they're going to force it through. Trump's going to sign some piece of crap. And they're going to, in 2018, 
they're going to pay the price. They are going to pay the price. Richard Neal, Democrat from Massachusetts, points out that one other – remember now, this is not just Obamacare. The Republicans are very – they've tied Medicaid to this. And next is going to be Medicare, and then they're going to go after Social Security. Richard Neal says, big promise broken. President Trump has said over and over again that he will not touch Medicare. That apparently is inconsistent with what is about to take place upon final passage of this bill. So they pushed it through again last night. By the way, there's no wonder that they kept it secret last week. They wouldn't let – remember Rand Paul was in that little trying treasure hunt it. Yeah, trying to right. find it. Republicans trying to find it. Paul Ryan kept it under lock and key. And now we know why, right, because he didn't want them to see – but didn't want people to see how bad it is. So they they announced it again two days ago, rushed it through the Ways and Means Committee uh, last night. We still haven't heard from the Congressional Budget Office now, Sean Spicer made this argument yesterday, and Republicans are making this argument. Well, the Congressional Budget Office isn't perfect. I mean, look, they didn't get everything right about Obamacare, so why should we depend on them for this? Well, that is true to a certain extent. They, they didn't get everything right. They projected at one point that 32 million people were going to cover, be covered by Obamacare uh, through the exchanges in the first few years, and it's turned out to be 13 million people. But... To go ahead without their projections on not just the number of people who who might be covered, but how much this is going to cost and how much it's going to add to the deficit is something that Congress should not do, never has done on any major piece of legislation. And this isn't just any other bill. Health care is one-fifth of the American economy. I mean, this is huge. And to take a step like this is going to impact one-fifth of the American economy and maybe some 25 million Americans, without having the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office analysis is really reckless beyond, beyond extreme. Yesterday, a big day, International Women's Day, and a day, uh, what was it called? Women, Day Without a Woman. Day Without a Woman. International yeah, Women's Esther day. Lee, here she is. Um, to tell us all about it from Think Progress, thinkprogress.org. Esther, how are you doing? What was the – we have a little – Let's. we have a little sound. This is what it sounded like up in New York City. A day without a woman is a day without me. A day without a woman is a day without me. Yeah, thank you. That's a cute chant. I like that, that is a cute yeah, chant, right? yeah. <laughs> So uh, what did you see? What uh, happened? And what was the impact? And how'd it go? So just uh, the day without women, it was a day to, it was a call to action for people to recognize that women contribute a lot to society, that uh, there is still gender inequality, that there's just still a lot of gender-based <laughs> violence out there. And yesterday was one of those days where people really wanted a lot of women to strike and go on protests to show what our economic power, what our economic impact would be to society. Um, unfortunately, not many people were able to strike yesterday. Uh, you know, I think that striking is a great privilege, but not everybody was able to do that. And I was able to document this woman who was unable to strike, and it was this woman, Maricela, who is an undocumented immigrant. Mm. She's out of, um, she works out of Austin, Texas. She's been working as a housekeeper for the past 17 years trying to 
uh, provide, you know, food on the table for her kids, and she also has a husband who works. But she couldn't strike yesterday, even though she really, really wanted to. And, um, you know, she supports all these causes. She supports causes for women, for immigrants, for people who are in vulnerable positions. But uh, Maricela just couldn't because she needed the money, and she was afraid she would get fired. Yeah. Well, there must have been millions of women yeah. like her. Um, at the rally here in Washington yesterday, uh, our good friend Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro uh, spoke to particularly those women. I stand here today for those millions of workers, uh, women workers across this country who couldn't take a day off, who can't take time to be with their families because they might lose their job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a really real fear. And, you know, the funny thing about, like, when I was trying to find somebody for this piece that I was writing um, about, like, the women who can't strike was that it was just impossible to find women because all the women I was trying to find oh. were working. They couldn't yeah. take time off to talk to me on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, mm. um, right, and, you know, and I'm sure, did, did businesses sort of give women the option or was it? You know, I think that most of the businesses that did give women the option were probably advocacy groups, at least in D.C. from what I've seen. It was like advocacy groups. It was women's rights groups, you know. Um, it, and it was like chain stores, like just places that can afford to take a hit without women being in the office. But if you look around, even yesterday, um, I, w- I went to some of these small businesses after work, and many of them still were operational. Many of them still had female workers there because they just couldn't take the financial hit to close down. And I would say that it's similar to a day without immigrants, right? Like a lot of the yeah, right. places in D.C., like Busboy and Poets, you know, that's mm. a big chain restaurant just based in D.C. And, and out in Virginia. You know, they were able to get the day off for their immigrants because they can. But many other small businesses were not able to. What, what percentage of the workforce are, are women? That's a good question, and I don't know. <laughs> Just, uh, I just was reflecting on it while you were speaking. I mean, it's it's got to be fifty percent. It's got to be significant enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. it just should be. Just, I mean, uh, and uh, and the other then the other issue is where are we today on pay equity? You you just ran right. <laughs> mentioned that a little bit earlier, but so in terms of pay equity, you know, there have been many stats floating around, like how women are being paid seventy cents on the dollar with men. And if you look at some of the people of color, women of color Still are today, paid. Still today, 70 cents. I yeah. believe so. Um, but you have to double check me on that. But, you know, for women of color, their pay increase or their pay uh, um, parity is a lot lower. So it's like 50 cents on a dollar, which is not significant, right? Like how do you survive on $14,000 a year or $28,000 a year when you, when you could barely live in a metro city? Right. Like D.C. is expensive. NYC is expensive. All these major cities out in the Midwest are expensive, too. So, you know, for women, it's it's a big deal for them to be paid on par with their male counterparts. Did you see the movie uh, Hidden Figures? No, I did not. I really Uh wanted to. (laughs) Well, you still can. (laughs) Uh, It's around somewhere or I don't know. Yeah, it's still it's out there. I think you can get it on demand now. I got to watch that. But But it's such a powerful movie about the three Three women in particular in in NASA, mm-hmm. you know, and there, I mean, I I think it's um, not an exaggeration to say there would be no space program without these three women, the contributions of these right. three women, and and 
they were African American, mm-hmm. and were th- this was when NASA was still located in Virginia, mm-hmm. and um, they were, you know, th- they were the victims of all of that ugly segregation at the time, even uh, access to a bathroom that right. they could use. Wow. Uh, I mean, and 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 the pay and everything. I mean, it was just they, sh- they struggled through and they got through and they made it. I mean, again, they saved the space program. They did. And, you know, there are certainly other fields where women Incredible paved movie. the way. Just yeah. like, you know, like the DNA with Rosalind uh, Watson. No, no, not Watson. Um, you know, the, the woman who, who Franklin, Rosalind Franklin, mm. who discovered DNA and the men who took credit for that. Right. There are many fields where women were the <laughs> reason why we have what we have today. Um, so I agree with that. It's women have paved the path for many of us, and we should be grateful for us. One. So where do we go from here? Uh, Nancy Pelosi yesterday mm-hmm. uh, said, okay, that's nice to come out and have one day of protest, but that's not enough for you women. Here she is. Said to the women, you have marched for progress. Now you must run for office. <laughs> I couldn't Wait. agree with that more. Yeah. Because the only way we could really bring the issue of, you know, like women's pay issues or like some of these uh, child leave <coughs> issues, the only way we could bring them to the forefront is if we do run or if we do find a way to get our issues out there. And I think I, I would agree with Nancy Pelosi there. Nothing made me more angry than seeing Donald Trump uh, with the uh, the funding for uh, uh women's health care, right? Mm-hmm. And he's sort of signed that with all these men around him. <laughs> and it's just like... Hmm. That happens frequently. Though. No, no, that I know it does. Like... No, I, I, I do know that it does. But it's also kind of like, no. yeah, women should get out there and they should run. And now is the time. I mean, there is a moment right now that you can run on being a woman and saying, like, I know better than this guy who has admitted to sexual assault. Right. I know better about what a woman needs and wants than this guy. There's also, so I think, I believe President Trump also released a statement yesterday just to be like, women are great and we should give them more opportunities. Two tweets yesterday morning. Well, he also released a press statement. Oh, a press, uh, yeah, I read the press statement too. You know, this is so disingenuous. We know who he is. Exactly. Based on like his past, based on what laws he's passed. Quote, I moved on her like a bitch. I didn't realize I could say that on the show. <laughs> I don't know if we can. I just did. Anyway, and, and, and other words yeah. that I know we can't say exactly. on air. Exactly. Right. And it just seemed very disingenuous that he would release like this five paragraphs long sort of press release saying women are amazing. Women are great. Let's give them more networking opportunities. Let's give them more, you know, benefits. Yeah. And it's like, well, but you're you're passing health care like what you guys were talking about in your previous segment. Um, yeah. And who's, that uh, rolls back on all these rights. Sure. Right. Who is mostly negatively impacted by by getting rid of Obamacare are American women. Exactly. Right. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for The Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Thanks.
carry him back and the Congress is, they were, I could see the uh, congressional dome, we can see the, the dome from our bedroom, bedroom, and the light, when the light is on when you go to bed, you know you're in trouble. When the light, <laughs> wait, when the light over the dome is still on, when you wake up, you really know you're in yeah. trouble. Yeah. And it is, they, they were going last night, they went all through the night, and they're still at it. Uh, on the health care bill. Uh, Sungmin Kim covers Congress for Politico, and she is in studio with us. Um, so what's the rush? So they are, if you talk to Republicans, they want to fulfill a, a promise that they made to constituents, actually a promise they've been making for the past seven years to repeal Obamacare. But the timetable that they laid out is very ambitious, probably unrealistic. What uh, Mitch McConnell said earlier this week, that ideally, if they get it from the House in time, he would take it up. He would take up Obamacare on the Senate floor. Uh, the week of March 27th, that's not too far away. No. And I think that well, is looking pretty unlikely at this point. Right. So they introduced it Monday. Mm-hmm. They're doing right. committees right now. Committees, uh, uh, they they want the two committees, uh, um, Health and Human Services, whatever. And energy, Commerce, and then Ways and Commerce Means. Energy, Commerce, and Ways and Means, I'm sorry, those two. And then it goes to the Budget Committee, correct? To be combined, yes. To be combined. Into one bill, and, and then the, you go when through. When are they planning on a full vote in the House? In the next couple of weeks. So uh, ideally, I mean, obviously, there. I mean, Republican leaders are not going to put uh, this bill on the floor if it does not have 218 votes or I whatever the majority they is. They need 218 but, votes. Oh, uh, there's a couple of vacant seats. So maybe it might be like 216, 217, but right. in that neighborhood. Okay. Uh, let's assume, is it a safe assumption that no Democrats going to vote for it? A very safe assumption. All right. So they need... Just about every single Republican. They can lose about you know a, a little, maybe a little less than two dozen votes, but that's not a, you know that's not a lot of wiggle room. How many are in the Freedom Caucus? It, it, they don't give a specific number, but it's somewhere in the range of thirty to forty. So, so there if the you go. Freedom Caucus, <laughs> if the Freedom Caucus holds together, and right now the leadership is saying they cannot support this bill for. The opposite reasons, I can't support sure. it. Mm-hmm. They think it's too much like Obamacare. Mm-hmm. It's Obamacare. Two, mm-hmm. right? 2.0. Oh. And uh, you have to remember the concerns coming from the moderate part of the Republican conference because we've talked a lot about how the Medicaid expansion is an issue among Senate Republicans. But there are House Republicans, such as Charlie Dent of Pennsylvania, who are raising that issue. There are House Republicans who support funding for Planned Parenthood. Um, that is also going to be an issue. So you have to, I mean, there's this, there's tension from both ends of the Republican conference, and it's hard to see that path for now to 218. By the way, the, in case you're wondering how the White House is handling this and what their plan is, according to Jim Acosta from CNN, Trump told Tea Party groups at the White House that if the GOP health care plan dies, he will let Obamacare right. completely yeah. fall and then let Democrats take the blame. So in other words, he's like actually causing to let people die out of sheer spite. But for, yeah, for I, I, saw, I saw that comment, which to me, not trying to... To, to, to speak for you, but to me, it just proves again that Donald Trump doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't have a clue. I mean, right. if the Republicans don't pass anything, Obamacare's not going to die. Obamacare is healthy. People are signing up. People are getting coverage they need. A lot of people like it. That's why you see it at these town halls. So the idea, oh, if we don't do this, Obamacare you know, is going to be, right. no, no, it's not. No, it's not. Right. But at any rate, that. Uh, Trump and he's meeting with all these people. I want to come back to the to the to the vote. So what you're saying is, 
that today it's safe to say Paul Ryan doesn't have 218 votes. It, it, it's uh, I don't want to say that quite now because I'm not on the whip team. And, you know, yeah. there may be some Freedom Caucus members who are fine with the legislation. And the, the leadership is doing a really hard sell saying, like, look, you're either with this bill or you're voting with Nancy Pelosi, which is technically correct. Um, so but it is I mean, it's there is major pressure points from both ends of the conference that make it hard to see 218 for now. To what so we'll extent see. is Donald Trump behind this bill? He so early when <laughs> when, when they because you hear again <laughs> uh, all kinds of stuff from the White House. So right? when the bill was rolled out earlier so work this in week, progress. you had uh, uh, mixed messages from the administration. You had Secretary Tom Price saying, "Look, we it's a work in progress. We are uh, open to changes on it, and 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 being open to negotiation is a message that the president and his and and the rest of his uh, team have." relayed to lawmakers, to activists, to other stakeholders in this debate. Uh, so Vice President Pence was <laughs> meeting with Senate Republicans earlier this week at their weekly lunches. He came actually to the mics and uh, participated in the press conference with the rest of the leadership. And he flatly said, look, the president supports the American Health Care Act. So that made me think, you know, yes, Donald Trump is behind this legislation. But if you talk to some of the members who have met privately with Trump, with Vice President Pence, there is a you're getting different <laughs> messages coming out. I, so it's, I, it's I've hard seen to tell. several Republicans come out of the White House saying they're really encouraged by the fact that Donald Trump uh, says uh, nothing's nothing's exactly fixed. Yeah. Everything's up for negotiation. Mm -hmm. It's a work in progress. You got to admit he's a con. I mean, part of his part of his core is that he's a Make deal a maker. Deal. Yeah. So everything does seem to be up for <laughs> up for negotiation, up for debate. Tell you we love being on Capitol Hill because, uh, you know, we just uh, put one of our good team downstairs and look for members of Congress kind of walking by <laughs> and, and snag them, bring them up to the studio. And look what we got this morning, Congressman Ruben Gallegos from this Gallego, sorry, Gallego, thank from you. the seventh congressional district in Arizona. Congressman, good to see you. Good to see you too. Thanks for having me. All right, having fun. Always. <laughs> yeah, that's the last word for it. I guess, yeah, huh? I'm out, I make it fun somehow. Yeah, yeah have to. Yeah, good for you. So, what, what's your take on this whole number one, the plan that re, that the Republicans finally have come up with to replace Obamacare and the way they've rolled it out? I mean, it's a whole debacle. I mean, first of all, it's not a health care plan. It's it's a tax cut plan. First, their goal was to top. To, to cut the taxes for the top earners that were getting taxed under the Affordable Health Care Act. And then they built a health care plan around it. Uh, and at the end of the day, they still don't have the votes among Republicans. They're not going to have any support among Democrats. And the only way they can actually get the votes to pass, they're only going to have to make this bill even worse. And just some of the stuff that's in this bill right now is pretty bad. You know, the the basically... Uh, capping Medicaid expansion, which is really important for many states, especially Arizona, for example. You know, we have Medicaid expansion. Yeah, I was yeah. in the state house when we we passed it. I worked on it. Um, there's no way for us to balance the budget without Medicaid expansion. There are tons of hospitals that will just close down. Emergency rooms would just close down without Medicaid expansion. This is why you have the hospital association that has come out uh, against this. Uh, two, you know, they they talked about the individual mandate and uh, how it was it was onerous that uh, government was demanding that people have uh, health insurance. Well, there is basically a de facto individual mandate uh, in this bill. If you go without 
uh, health care uh, for longer than a year, mm -hmm. you're going to get charged 30% or higher insurance premium rates, right? So instead of the government taxing you, it's going to be the insurance company that's taxing you, right? And so on and on and on. The people that are going to be the, the, the hardest hit from this are the working class people. If you are making somewhere around $20,000 uh, a year and you're uh, the age of 60, the tax credit you're going to get will not nearly cover at all the amount of your premiums are going to be. That really, the 30% the no, thing really drives me crazy because you're right. Yeah. Who are we really trying to help here? You know, I mean, if you look at the people who will have to pay this penalty, you know, these are people who really can't afford that. Right. And to think that the money is going to go right back into the pockets of the uh, insurance companies. Well, the, again, this is positively the, Trumpian. Right. Well, again, the goal of this was not to cover more people. The first goal was to get rid of the tax increase on the top earners. Second goal was to dismantle uh, the Affordable Health Care Act. And the third goal was basically to be able to slap something together to say that they have. Uh, that they fulfilled th their fulfilled promise. Fulfilled a, a, yeah. a replacement. But there is no replacement. Right. 10 to 20 but million people are going to lose coverage. This is going to cost the, the increase our deficits. Well, and this is why they don't, they don't even want to have a CBO score on it. Because uh, right. they're afraid of what the truth is going to be. We've we've seen President Trump's comments so many times about what he promised. Right? It's, right. Everybody's going to have everybody. Everything. Everybody's yeah. going to be covered with the best coverage possible, and they're going to pay less for it. And right. He's. I mean, he never has. He has no clue what he's saying. Ninety nine percent of the time. Uh, <laughs> on this or any or other. This subject. or any of this. And but this especially, he has very little understanding of 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 healthcare, and uh, that's and the only way you get towards you know, Trump's view of more coverage for less costs and for and just in general being great uh, is by having more government involvement in health care, by having uh, you know more generous subsidies, by covering more people, by, by basically also at the same time having to tax more people. Uh, Trump doesn't understand that, so he just basically is focused on this idea of just getting rid of, quote-unquote, Obamacare, and he doesn't care the way to do that. And this is why he'll just accept any piece of garbage that uh, Paul Ryan is calling, quote, unquote, uh, you know, uh, health care. So you think immigration, you're, you're on the front line and you've been on I've the been front for line. a while, yeah. <laughs> Arizona, right? Yeah. Um, what's, what's going on with, um, it, there's the second Muslim ban, and that's one front. Right. But I'm, I'm thinking about the Department of Homeland Security and the new rules and regulations mm. that were put out and, and the new activity we've seen on the part of uh, ICE. Um, what's the situation on the ground? Well, the situation on the ground is that you have um, uh, really a lot of rogue ICE uh, agents that are using the ambiguity uh, of the uh, uh, orders to basically start snapping up people, uh, whether they are dangerous or not. The idea that they're going after just serious criminals, those those have created violent crime, is just it's not a joke. True. No, it's yeah. a joke. Look, under under President Obama, we had those kind of priorities. These uh, agents are basically going after anybody. They're going through they're going through the list of people that maybe had a DUI twenty years ago, ten years ago, uh, and they're using that as an excuse. The also the other problem is with this order is that the order says in the process of going after a high priority criminal. Anybody else they encounter along the way, whether they are on the priority list or not, is open for deportation. Mm. So if you walk into a home looking for somebody that's got a warrant for whatever reason, and there's six or seven other people in that home, 
the ICE now has a right to ask them about their status and now has the right they're deportable whether or not they're they're dangerous or not. And you have the you know Secretary Kelly think, seems to think that that's not the case and I think General or Secretary Kelly you know still believes that ICE is like the Marines like you have orders and it goes trickle down but that is not the case. ICE has always been a rogue agency. Um, you have a lot of ICE uh, agents that have been waiting for this time just so they could start snapping up anybody because they truly believe that all immigrants that are here without uh, permission are the same and they're all going to be and they should all be deported. I mean, there have been stories after stories about this one woman in Phoenix. Yeah, uh, Guadalupe. Right, who are two teenage kids, right? And she checks in with her immigration officer, which she's supposed to, and yeah. boom, they now. Or this restaurant, and the, the guy owns the was the manager of a Mexican restaurant, some little small town in yep. Illinois, where the whole town banded yeah. together. And yeah, I mean stories like that. But these people are, they're, I mean they're citizens in every other respect. They just right. don't have a piece of paper, right. and they're outstanding citizens, and they've got jobs, they got families, and everything, and. They haven't committed any crime other than coming here originally illegally. Right. But it's also dangerous in the long run. And here's why. If you have ICE agents that are more worried about the, you know, the dishwasher, the restaurant manager, and then the hardcore gangs and criminals, just to fulfill either the mandate of the president or just to make themselves feel better, they're going to focus on the easy targets instead of the hard targets. And to make matters worse, in these communities where you need cooperation from that from that undocumented community to know where the real hardcore criminals are, the drug dealers, Mm -hmm. the sexual abusers, they're not going to talk to anybody now Mm -hmm. because the way that ICE is operating, if you interfere or walk into them or you have any type of interaction with them, you are now deportable, right? So, you know, Trump's idea of making the country safer is really going to make us unsafe. And and these individual ICE agents are going to make us even more unsafe because they're going to get the deportations that they want to get, but it's not going to be the right people. And and by the way, as they start deporting more people, more people are going to ask for their due process. You're going to jam up the courts, and you're basically going to slow down, uh, you know, the deportations from really hardcore criminals because of this obsession of just getting anybody uh, as fast as possible. And what is your reaction to, or what, how do you assess the impact of Secretary Kelly's uh, statement last week that uh, for um, women and children who come in, parents who come in with kids, uh, we keep the parents in a detention center, but the kids will just ship off to some somewhere else in the country, some guardian or something. We'll break right. up these families, yeah. and we're gonna and those kids are gonna be treated so right. well. They're gonna be so happy. It'll be like going to Disneyland every yeah. day. I mean, like General Kelly, or he's not a general anymore. He's not a Secretary Kelly. Secretary Kelly is a really smart man, but that's probably one of the dumbest things I've ever heard anybody said. Uh, and I mean, we weren't even allowed when we were in the Marines to separate families. Uh, you know, if there was a, a woman coming through one of our checkpoints with a young child, we didn't separate the child from the the yeah. mother. Like, there's a reason you don't do that. It's inhumane. It causes a lot of bad externalities. Uh, you know, and also there's no one safer the child than with 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 their mother or yeah. or their father. Yeah. Um, and also, it's, look, we're just not that type of country. Uh, and and the other thing that I don't think General Kelly understands, he somehow believes that this will stop. Uh, mm-hmm. These immigrant parents from bringing their well, children. Well, he said that was the purpose of it, right? To yeah. scare people from. It's not going to. It's not going to do it. These parents have crossed deserts. They've crossed gang-infested lands because wherever they live is so horrible that they will take a chance, and they will take a chance that maybe my son will be, uh, will be separated from me 
but at least he won't be in the United he won't be in the Central American country that that I am in right now where the, where you know people are getting summarily shot all the time. Um, it's just a very naive view of of immigration. Uh, and and I'm surprised for somebody who's been around the world as much as General Kelly has, uh, he should understand like the motivations of families fleeing conflict. <laughs> The Parting Shot with Bill Press. This is The Bill Press Show. Okay, here's all you need to know about the health care plan put forth by Republicans to replace Obamacare. It will allow fewer people to buy crappier plans at higher prices. In other words, you will pay more for less. I mean, no wonder Paul Ryan kept it under lock and key until it was released and wouldn't even let Republicans see it. It's a dog. It stinks. Paul Ryan ought to be sued for malpractice. And we know Obamacare isn't perfect, but it's still because it still leaves insurance companies and big pharma uh, in charge. It still leaves too many Americans uncovered. But as imperfect as it is, Obamacare is a hell of a lot better than Trump care. Gets us a lot closer to universal care than we've ever been before. Under Obamacare, through state or federal exchanges, some 11 million Americans now have health insurance for themselves and their families for the very first time. Under Trump care. Most of them will lose it. Under Obamacare, another 11 million people, uh, poorer Americans, have uh, health care coverage for the first time for their families under expanded Medicaid. Under Trump care, they'll be out of luck and out of protection. So don't, don't let anybody tell you there's no difference between the two big political parties. Eight years ago, Democrats made it their first priority to give health care coverage to every single American. This year, Republicans have made it their first priority to take it all away. This is The Bill Press Show.